Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We're here. We're back here for episode three. I am your host, Kyle Creasy. I am here with my co-host, Tommy Smith. Unfortunately, our other co-host, Blake Clark, could not make it tonight. He was pretty loaded up with some schoolwork and I think some other things going on. So he couldn't make it with us tonight, um, but he will be back next week like usual. Um, today, we are joined by a very special guest, a very good friend of mine, um, Josiah Scudder. Uh, I've known Josiah for quite a while. Uh, we met in high school. I know when you guys heard last time how I switched high schools, Josiah was another friend that I had met through that, and we played basketball together, and we've just been able to maintain a good friendship since. Josiah, glad to have you on. Could you just introdu- introduce yourself real quick and just kind of give us a little background about you and your background with basketball? Yes, I can. Um, hey, everybody. My name is uh, Josiah Scudder. I'm 20 years old. Um, I've always grew up around basketball. Basketball has always been a part of me. Um, ever since I was like eight years old, um, I've always liked Kobe Bryant. He's always been one of my favorite players. And um, once he left, it just like, you know, it took a, not like a toll on me, but it was just, you know, just something tough, you know, just a loss like that. But um, yeah. Yeah. So Joe, thanks for introducing yourself, man. Glad we could have you today. Uh, we've got a fun, we've got a fun group of topics today. We're going to talk about a lot of a lot of things. Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker with the success of the Suns. Uh, it's about time we have an episode about them and really dive into their team this year. Different things about them. Devin Booker's a really special player. I'm glad that we could have an episode today where we talk about him. He's one of Josiah's favorite players. That's why I decided to have Josiah on for this episode. Um, We've got our normal schedule, about to give you guys our stock update and a few different things before we start. And uh, with that conversation, we will, like I said, dive into Devin Booker, the Suns. And we're also going to get into DeAndre Ayton and the decisions that the Suns are going to have to make this offseason involving him and the rest of their roster because of that. So going straight into it, we're back with another stock update. Uh, obviously, we've got our risers and our fallers. Tommy, let's go risers first today. Let me hear your stock risers that you decided to come up with for this episode. All right, so at number one, I have the man who just dropped 60 on people's heads, Carl Anthony Towns. So he hasn't been too great, but I think that was what he needed to set him over. He, his last five, he, before that, he had 15, 21, 13, 27. And he, he was really efficient when he was shooting the ball, but he just I think he just needed that the production to increase to uh really show people what he is about and i think he will be a big part of that team moving forward obviously but at number two is a sneaky little uh i snuck someone in jordan pool he has been mine as well um, i was about to say he's been amazing um real quick jordan just exciting to rock Real quick, Jordan Poole in his last seven games is averaging 24 points and five assists, shooting nearly 60% from the field and 55% from three, shooting eight threes a game. It's he's been he's been very enjoying to watch post All Star break, and I I'm ready. I know he plays a lot of minutes, but I'm ready to see that lineup of Steph, Clay, Poole, Wiggins, and Draymond. We'll keep going, man. And then. Uh, at number three, I had Julius Randle. Um, dude's been playing great, and a, the spark that they needed to 
get going because they've been awful this year. Definitely been a rough year, and we'll get to them in a moment because, uh, a spoiler alert, they are in my fallers. So, but my stock risers, uh, Jordan Poole was my number one, but I had an extra because I figured that probably somebody else would have Jordan Poole on there. So I've done three more. My first one is going to be the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the Mavs are 8-2 and two in their last 10, and with Utah's loss last night, they are tied for fourth. So that should be interesting. They have a chance at having home court in the first round. Um, Luca, especially in his last five games, is averaging 33 points, 11 rebounds, and seven assists, shooting 51% from the field and 40% on almost 11 threes a game. And they just picked up a huge win against the scorching hot Boston Celtics in the garden. Crazy game, crazy defensive battle from both teams. Two top five defenses just going at it. Uh, lots of switching between a bunch of perimeter-oriented teams. Uh, but really enjoying game. Huge win for them. So they're number one for me. Number two is Bruce Brown. Uh, I'm not going to dive into a bunch of statistics. The dude's just so active, plays with high energy. Uh, he's been finishing an extremely high clip, that little floater that he was showcasing a lot last year. He's kind of gone back to that, just kind of diving to the rim, cutting to the rim, that little floater. He's so good at it. And he's been a really solid playmaker too. I mean, like he's just He'd, he'll take a few dribbles maybe at somebody and find something, whether it's on the opposite side or on the back door. He's really good coming off the screen with some of those big guys with other guys facing the floor for him. And uh, he, he just seemed to found he seemed to found that role again that he had last year. Nash wasn't really playing him as much earlier in the year. I'm not sure why. I was wondering at the beginning. But maybe there were some issues going on at practice or maybe in the – you know, I, he did seem to struggle a little bit early on. But he's really seemed to come along to what we were used to last year. And my third is going to be Pascal Siakam. Um, Siakam probably having an all-NBA season right now. I think if, if, if ballots were turned in today, I think Siakam has a really good chance at making third-team all-NBA. Um, he just got his first seven-game stretch of his career, scoring 20-plus points in seven games in a row. But in his last six games specifically, after that game against the Lakers last night, he's averaging 27 points, eight rebounds, five assists, and he's shooting 49% from the field and 46% from three. Uh, on on about four threes at a game. So, I mean, for Pascal, that's like – if you're a forward like that, that's like a point forward. That's just really high clip for somebody to face the floor. And he's, that's led them to a four-game win streak against the Spurs, the Suns, and the Suns got Devin Booker back for that game. So, it wasn't like they were playing the Suns without CP3 and Booker. Booker was there. Still been a really good team, even with CP3 off the floor. So, they beat the Suns, they beat the Nuggets, and then they just crushed the Lakers. It ended up being like an 11-point win, but – that game was not close at all. Um, I'm going to go into my fallers first. Uh, number one for me, uh, I've been kind of disappointed. I've got the 76ers on here. And I didn't want to call it too early. But after I've seen a few things, the big loss at home to Brooklyn, um, they went to overtime with the Magic. And I actually was not watching that game because I did I, – for some reason I thought that they were resting players. And it turns out they weren't. Everyone was playing. They went to OT with the Magic. And they had an absolute collapse to the Denver Nuggets last night. Uh, you know, I'm not going to blame a whole lot on Joel Embiid. thought he had a great game last night. He outplayed Jokic, in my opinion. But uh, Harden is under 30% from the field in these last three games. And Nash kind of broke the code for us because he started blitzing Harden like crazy. And we've seen it before. But especially in that game, he was just – blitzing Harden and he was kind of he was sending a double to Embiid as well once he got deep in the post but especially Harden for me that caught my eye was just these heavy blitzes even high up top off any screen 
And he's just being lazy. I mean, he'll pass out of the blitz, and he just stands there. So he's basically left with nothing. And it was a perfect map for Denver. Obviously, Mike Malone had watched that film. He did the same thing, and it was the same stuff. I mean, I think Hall Harden only took like nine or ten shots last night. That's unacceptable for a player that's making that much money and is supposed to be doing as much as he's doing. But Maxi not being as aggressive either, I don't necessarily blame that on him. It's only in certain spurts. He, he still had 17 last night, saw a game for him. But just these past few games, just like – it's just not the same as what we saw early on. I still think it's a big three, but there's a lot to figure out there. So I guess I'm just asking myself, was it just a honeymoon? We'll see. Number two for me is the Knicks. Not a whole lot to go off of here. They've had a really tough schedule in the past 10 games, but they still are three and seven in those 10. And they are now 5.5 games back from a play-in spot. Yeah, not from, not from the eight seed, from a play-in spot. So just for a team that had goals and a team that was really trying to have a surge here post-All-Star break, very disappointing. And my third is very nitpicky, but it is Karis LeVert. And he missed those eight straight games for the Cavs, but in to- but he was back last night. In the five games he's played with the Cavs, um, less than 13 points, shooting very inefficient. And I just think that was a pickup that sounded good in theory, but there was questions on if it would really work or not. It's only been five games, not trying to overreact, very nitpicky, like I said. But he's set to make $19 million next year. And he is extension eligible this summer. So some tough decisions for Cleveland if he doesn't really pick it up. Tommy, what were your stock followers this week? So I had the Knicks on there as well. So I'm going to go some a little, a little bit uh, different route. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a player here. I'm going to go a player on the Knicks. Um. So while Julius Randle and RJ – no, actually, no, scratch that. I'm going with the Knicks coach. He's on my followers. Yeah, I think awesome. he uh, – yeah, I think he's on his way out. And that's a popular um, theory right now is that Tibbs is probably – if this keeps yeah. up, Tibbs is probably gone because you have to pick a direction, and they have no direction right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then – I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw the Pistons in there. They just fell out of the race, so now they're racing for last. I haven't had much uh, to go off of. Our last episode was pretty recent, so I wanted to go away from the spots that I've already been in. Um, and I'm gonna go with the Spurs as well. While Pop got his thousands win, they're not good. They're not going anywhere. Yes, it's been tough. Yeah. It's been tough for the Spurs because they actually have a solid point differential overall this season. They've just really struggled in close games and just finishing out. You know, they play hard. They have a they have a solid defense. They've got some bright spots in Dejounte Murray and Keldon Johnson and Devin Zell has been good in spurts. But they just, I think it was a team that had potential to be in the play-in, but now it's just lottery based. So yeah, um, so that's our stock report for the week. I know we. We're recording this on Tuesday, so this isn't the usual Thursday. So we're only going off a few days of what we were last time. So, you know, it's a little different in that sense. A little bit harder. Yeah. But um, our the, my question of the pod, and we're going to throw Josiah in here since Blake is not in here as well. Again, this is a question that my co-hosts have no idea what they're going to be asked going into. But my question this week is, who is the best defender in the NBA right now? And it does not have to be your defensive player that you're picked this year. Just who do you think is the best defender in the NBA? We will go with Tommy first. 
I'm going to go with Giannis Antetokounmpo because he could just really turn it on whenever he wants. He needs, he does need to put on weight to do what he really is capable of doing, but I'm going to go with Giannis. Okay. So I'm going to speak up real quick. Giannis is also mine, and I'm not going to say anybody else just because Tommy said Giannis. Giannis is my pick. Um, he's so versatile. He can bang with literally anybody down low, and he's also he's also able to go with anybody on the perimeter. Um, last night just kind of reminded people of how great he is, even in foul trouble, just the way he was being able to play. Bucks play drop for the most part, and for him to go in that drop coverage and still be able to kind of guard both the ball handler and keep the Gobert rim thread away, it's just insane that somebody's able to do that. Um, Blake gave me his answer and since I talked to him before and he actually said Bam and I you know I'm not going to be mad at that pick. Bam is an incredible defender, does a lot of the same things. But Josiah, who is your pick for the best defender in the NBA right now? Uh, I'm going to go Giannis too. I mean, like you said, he's very versatile. The man can like he's blocking shots off the backboard. Like this man is everywhere on, on the court when he's playing defense. So yeah, I have to give it to Giannis, man. Yeah, I, I was gonna say Jared Allen, but you know, you know Giannis, he's just he's just everywhere on the court, man. Yeah, and Jared, Jared definitely a great rim protector, and he is leading a top five defense right now. So all the credit to him in the world. No, no disrespect there. Wouldn't have argued a whole lot with that pick. Good defender. But moving along, just wanted to touch that real quick. We're gonna really briefly just talk about maybe who our March Madness pick is and some NBA prospects. So. March Madness, uh, one of my favorite times of the year. It's really fun. I'm not a huge college basketball guy, to be honest with you. I'm obviously a huge NBA. But uh, just real quick, wanted to touch on it. My March Madness favorite is Purdue. So, obviously, there's 64 teams whenever the tournament starts. Picking a favorite is completely hard. You're going to take the field over anybody. But Purdue is mine. And reason is Jaden Ivey, I think, is the best guard in the country. Um, we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, they've got some shooting around them, and they've got two seven-footers that are pretty mobile. And uh, I just think that they have a good build. So I'm excited to watch Purdue. They're my favorite. Josiah, who's yours? Um, Kentucky is mine. Um, kind of a little bias right here. I'm a Kentucky fan, basketball fan. Uh, but I do think they do have the team this year to make it that far. They just got to stay consistent and just – Play better defense, you know. Uh, also, prospect, I'll have to take Jabari Smith. Well, we'll, we'll uh, get into prospects. We'll get into prospects in a moment. You're good. You're good. Tommy, who's your favorite? March Madness. So, I, I would never, never say this, like, just to be saying this. So, this one hurts me a little bit. But I'm, I'm, picking, I'm picking Tennessee. Just, okay. Yeah, okay. They, they, they've been playing great, and now they got that chip on their shoulder. So I think they're just going to come out differently than we've really ever seen them, like, come out, to be honest. Like, the last three years – or, like, they just haven't came, came out any time they've went. So, yeah, I'm picking them. Yeah, and I just want to jump in real quick. I have – obviously, I have a lot of friends that listen to this pod. I've always been critical of – Rick Barnes' lack of adjustments and stubbornness, but halfway through the season this season, he really cracked down and decided to change the defense, and they've been so much better because of it. So I actually do think Tennessee has a deep run in them this year. I'm excited to see them. Me and my family are actually going to watch hopefully two games of the Vols 
uh, Thursday and Saturday. So I'm excited. Glad you picked them. Definitely a team to watch out for. Um, going into just real quick before we start our conversation on the Suns, uh, best NBA prospects. Uh, I, if you guys have some disagreement, please let me know, but I would be kind of shocked. I think the top four is pretty consensus. Any order, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bencaro, and Jaden Ivey. Would we agree that those are the top four? Yes. I, that's I my that. five. Uh, that's my four. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think I think you can go you can go different directions after those four, but I do believe that that's the top four. Really excited for all four of them. I um, think they're going to all four translate well. All four have a really great future in store for them. I think everyone knows a lot about them. So much potential in each one. But I just wanted to dive a bit outside of those four into some of our favorite prospects. So for me, I'm going to give three first. Number one, um, and just real quick, guys, when we say these, I'm not saying none of these guys would be the necessarily the fifth pick for me. It's just some of my favorite prospects that I think can really translate into the NBA. Number one, kid named Tevin Brown out of Murray State. Um, John Morant went to Murray State, and I'm a big John Morant fan, and he kind of he tried to tweet early in the year for everybody to watch notice of this dude. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start paying attention to him. And I've been really impressed. He's a 6'5 combo guard. Uh, he's 23, so he's older, but I like what I see. I don't care if you're older or younger. He's elite coming off ball screens, shoots 39% from three on eight attempts a game to have that high of a volume in college. You know, it's good because of how much the three-pointer is being used in the NBA. Has a great-looking jump shot that I think will translate. Nothing fixed. And he's super quick and has just great instincts. So I'm excited for Tevin Brown. I think there's a future in the league for him. Number two for me is A.J. Griffin out of Duke. He's a 6'6", 220-pound perimeter player. Has an unorthodox jump shot, but when you shoot 50% from the field and 47% from three, I don't care how you shoot. And there's multiple players that prove that that about that same philosophy, Tyrese Halberton being one of them that I'm very high on. But um, – A.J. Griffin is also a very good perimeter defender and with a lot of switchability. And I, I just – I'm really high on him. Really good, probably going to be like a nice 3 and D in the league. Excited to see where he may land. Probably a lottery pick. And Jalen Duran is number three for me. And this dude is just a freak. I mean, he is, he is almost seven feet, about 250 pounds, just a freak athlete, 7'5 wingspan. Uh, obviously, he plays in Memphis, if you don't know. And uh, I think he'll immediately translate defensively. I think he can anchor a defense maybe from day one. We'll see. Instincts matter a lot. I'm just saying I think he has the ability to maybe do it. Uh, I think he can switch most positions, maybe not guard really quick point guard. We'll see. But great rim runner. Uh, plays above the rim as well. And he's very efficient shooting 63% from the field. He's not going to space the floor and shoot threes. But proper spacing around him, I think this dude has a serious future. Um, Tommy, who are some of the favorite NBA prospects for you? So uh, one of my favorites, uh, you got or these guys know I, I was in Iowa for a couple of, or a couple of years in college. Um, so I watched a little bit of Iowa games when they're on TV. So one of mine is Keegan Murray. He's an absolute, yeah, he absolute bucket. So he, uh, I think he actually broke. Broke the record for points scored in the Big Ten tournament. Okay. Uh, so he's a really exciting player, and I'm excited to watch him in the tournament, excited for him, what he's going to do in the league. And then another one I had up there, up north again, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Yeah, great. School. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love offense. Uh, KD's the best player to watch in the league. But yeah, these these uh, he kind of he kind of looks like Jalen Suggs to be honest, the reincarnation. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> Josiah, you got a prospect or two that you're really high on that maybe isn't one of the top consensus guys. Um, one, I have Tata Washington from the University of Kentucky. Um, I think he's averaging around like 13 points. Um, thing is, when Severe Willow was hurt for a game, I think he was playing point guard. Man had 15 points and 15 assists. He's a great playmaker. He can shoot the ball and he can score off the ball. Josiah, you. I really haven't been watching a lot of. Josiah, just, you, cut out, you cut out right there about 10 seconds ago. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's just one I have. Yeah. I just have one. I got you. All right. So just wanted to discuss those few things before we really jump into this. Um so going in, episode three, Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. So we're just gonna go into it first. We're gonna talk a lot about Devin Booker here at first. Uh what a great player so far. Still pretty early in his career. I just wanted to go over the upbringing of Devin Booker at first. Was the 22nd ranked player out of high school, obviously highly ranked. But he came off the bench at Kentucky, and it was part of the platoon thing. And that team was deep. And I think a lot of people liked Booker, but it was just hard to tell because it's like you're playing around such a stacked team. You're really not playing these heavy minutes. Like we just, It's just hard to evaluate. He ultimately was picked 13th in the draft by the Suns. Uh, I just wanted to ask real quick, uh, Josiah, with you being a Kentucky fan, did you think he fell too low? Like when the draft happened at that point in time, did you think like, oh, yeah, Book should have went higher? No. Um, I'm not to say. I think he was he was right where he needed to be. Okay, yeah. And, and I, uh, from what I remember, I think I would agree. Like he was just so hard to tell because of – the looks with with all the stacked teammates he was playing with. And I'm gonna be no, go ahead, man. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, I I didn't know like I didn't know he was gonna be like a player he is now. There's yeah. just a lot of shit. So like it was just you know I was low key surprised he was picked that high. So. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. But rookie year, he averaged fourteen three and three, about forty two percent shooting. And I, I sort of remember this, but the not necessarily his rookie year, but the controversy with Suns fans is that they went 23-59 and 59 that year. And the year before, the Suns, the Suns actually had that trio of guards that was like Isaiah Thomas, Goran Dragic, and Eric Bledsoe. That was a fun team to watch. They weren't necessarily great or anything, but they'd almost made the playoffs. And so, like, Suns fans had just went from a team that almost made the playoffs to – I mean, let's just keep it real. Booker showed some signs that year, but, like, they're watching this and they're like, dang, man, we just traded guards that we had that were really good, and we drafted a guy that, I don't know. I mean, he still looked good. I'm not trying to say he didn't. But they, to be a Suns fan, there was just a little bit of disappointment. Um, He did jump to 22 points per game in his, year, in his second year. So I think that kind of cleared a lot of that just confusion from Suns fans maybe. But – they only won one more game, but that was also the year where Book had the 70-point game. Uh, I actually remember he did score 70, but there actually was like a wide spread. There was different thoughts because they lost that game, and there was just this group that was like, oh, 
oh well they lost by 10 and like it was very unfair but there was that crowd and then um he just kind of just like that was a narrative that followed him it was a narrative for the next few years that he was just putting up empty stats but it was kind of unfair in the sense that the Suns had made some terrible moves and just a few just a few acknowledgeable ones are they TJ Warren was averaging 18 points a game. And I know he's been hurt for like two years now, but before he was hurt, and forget even the bubble, TJ Warren was just a really good player that could put the ball in the hole. Okay? And TJ was averaging 18 a game for the Suns on good efficiency, and they traded him for cash during the draft. I think it was like 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. They traded him for cash. Not only that, they had top five picks in back-to-back years in which they picked Dragon Bender and Josh Jackson, neither one of which even turned into a solid NBA player. So, you know, Book playing really well, not getting maybe the attention he deserved. A lot of people calling him a empty stats player, but very unfair to use that narrative. Year four and year five made a huge jump in those two years combined. Uh, he averaged about 27 points per game and seven assists per game on 48% shooting. And year five, even with Aiden out almost half the season because he had the uh, – he took like some type of antidiuretic or whatever because he was flushing something out of his system. So that's obviously not something that you're allowed to take because that just shows that you probably had some type of performance-enhancing drug that you washed out. So he was suspended – he was out almost half the year. And – the Suns, the Suns still managed at the end of the year. This was the year the bubble happened to go 34 and 39, and they went eight and zero in the bubble. And this kind of really put everybody on notice, especially with when he hit that game winner against the Clippers. Josiah, I actually think you were at my house and we were watching that game when that happened. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I think we were both just like, "Whoa!" Like that was one of the toughest shots I've seen in a while and it was just good because basketball was back Tommy do you remember that shot and not only that shot just Suns bubble run that Suns year in general did you kind of start to think at the time like okay the Suns are starting to figure it out like Booker and Aiton could be a really good duo yeah and I was I I was super excited about it too because they were just fun it was just fun to watch um but yeah I was definitely excited about where they were going I think they could have done something yeah yeah no I mean and like we're gonna get into the Suns last year here in a minute but like don't get me wrong Chris Paul has a great effect on the team and any team he's ever been on but the Suns maybe not the finals but the Suns were going to make a huge jump regardless if he was on that team or not and you could see it that year specifically so I was just glad that People started to really see the potential of that duo. There was a ton of potential whenever they drafted Aiton. A lot of people loved it. They're not Kobe and Shaq, but they got the Kobe-Shaq comparison because of how they play. Um, but, you know, just the thought of a dominant guard and a dominant big man. Uh, it's just been really good. Obviously, going to that offseason, jumping into the Suns specifically, they went and got CP3 and Jay Crowder and – I actually remember because guys that group chat we were talking about last episode, Josiah's in this group chat as well. I remember just saying immediately, this is the best backcourt in basketball of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And, you know, I just want to know, Tommy, you first, what were your thoughts immediately whenever they picked up these two? 
last season. To be completely honest, I, I was I was actually really excited about it because CP he had never played with really like he played with James Harden, but he James Harden isn't Devin Booker, you know. Yeah, and I guys, when Tommy says that, he's not saying that like James Harden isn't good. He's just saying the type of player that yeah. Booker is compared to James Harden. I know, I know that that's what you're getting at. I just didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't want to rile anybody up, but yeah. But I was just excited to see what that did. And to be completely honest, it overshadowed them the other pickup that they had for me because I was so excited about Chris Paul being with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, just seeing what they that that piece, that could do. Oh, yeah. And uh, for me, and I know I'll let Josiah dive into this right after I mention it, me and Josiah were huge Kobe fans. And if you know, if one thing about diehard Kobe fans is we will never forget that we were robbed of seeing our favorite player ever get to play with Chris Paul. And so as a Kobe fan and a, and a big Booker fan because of being a Kobe fan, I just felt like there was a part of me that felt like something had finally been able to happen. And Booker is not Kobe Bryant. I'm not saying he is. But I love watching Booker because it is there are some similarities to Kobe. And so I was just so happy when these two got put together because I didn't get to see who my favorite player ever was get to play with this guy. And now his probably, like, biggest disciple, essentially, was getting to play with him. So that was so cool to me as soon as it happened. Joe, just dive into that for a minute. Wait. I'm sorry, what you say? You just – just, like – being a huge Kobe fan and being robbed of that, just like I'm sure you had the same initial reaction whenever Chris Paul was traded to the team. Or oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, I'm. I was thinking once that trade happened, I was thinking, thinking about like how Chris Paul didn't even go to the Lakers around that time. Yeah. And I'm. I was just saying to myself, man, if Chris Paul went to the Lakers and played with Kobe, I mean, he probably would have had a championship already. I mean, I you know, so. those two together, just like how him and Booker and the way they're playing, I think it would have been the same thing, you know. Like how you said, Booker, he's not like Kobe, but there's some similarities like, yes. with how they play. But, um, I mean, when the trade happened, I was honestly excited because, like I said, I wanted to see that, see how Booker was going to step up in a role, you know, with Chris mm-hmm. Paul. And, I mean, he did. And um, I was low-key surprised that they were, like, the top three team in the West. Yeah, so I'm I glad you said that because my next question was to you guys was they had such a good regular season where you – I mean, the West was – obviously it's been a little weaker this year, but it was still super deep last year. Were you guys – Joe, we'll start with you since you were just starting to get into it. So, like, mm-hmm. just thought, like, obviously, so you were surprised that they got that top two seed because they were the second seed. Yes, man. I was very surprised. I thought they were like a top five seed at best. That's and, you know you have to. That's like to, when it when it happened. I was thinking like top four or five, maybe top three. But like to see them at second, it was like it was just cool. But it was also I was also a little shocked. Like yeah, I agree. Tommy, were you were you shocked that they were able to get the second seed? 
Yes, I was. Well, no, no, actually, Tom, after Tom, All-Star Tom, Hold on. We're going to, you're, you're, oh, good. you're good. Tommy, <laughs> were you, Tommy, were you shocked that they were able to get the second seed? I, see, I was not shocked because it's just like I knew what everyone there really brought to the table kind of. And I, it's like they are more on my favorite side of the players. So I was really watching them more yeah. than anyone else then. And, yeah, so I wasn't shocked. Yeah, and then uh, because of some injuries last year, then they their first-round matchup was actually the Los Angeles Lakers. And um, I remember at the time the Lakers were favored before the series started. Um, I personally did not like what was going on with the Lakers and I thought that the Suns were going to win that series. Uh, did you guys think going into that series, who did you have winning? Joe, we'll start with you. Who did you when that series was going on, did you think that the Suns had it in them to even get out of a round, Again, especially against the Lakers, who were the defending champions? No, I did not. I felt like the Lakers were going to pull it out, you know, come back. You know, usually LeBron, he's always, he's always coming back in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, once it was like 3-2, I was like, yeah, this is this is the start of something, you know, great with Booker and um, Chris Paul and the Sun. You know, I feel like they're about to go all the way if they beat them. That's how I felt. Yeah. Tommy, uh, how did you feel going into that series? I felt very optimistic for the Suns going into that series just because uh, it was about the time where – LeBron just at points in the season was not looking like not was not LeBron. So I wasn't too high on the the Lakers. Yeah, so so diving into that series, that first round matchup, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but Chris Paul actually got hurt early on and he had that shoulder injury. And he couldn't hardly move it, and he couldn't shoot. Like, he couldn't lift his arm up. And uh, the Lakers were up 2-1, I believe. And the Suns ended up evening it out, and they were playing very well. But Booker in that series specifically, even with Chris Paul getting hurt, 30 points, six boards, and five assists on 49% shooting and 43% from three and 94% from the free throw line. His first playoff series ever, playing a top five defense from when everyone was healthy, and in a closeout game six on the road with CP3 barely being able to do anything, Booker drops 47 on 15 of 22 shooting. And I think a lot of people at least thought that the Lakers were going to force a game seven. Like all the kinds of people had it in their head like, oh, one of these LeBron masterclass games is coming. And nah, man, like Booker stole the show. Like, like I remember the Suns came out, punched them in the mouth. Booker had a bunch of these points early. Uh, do you guys remember that game six? Josiah, do you remember that game six? I actually didn't watch that game, but I saw clips of it. Yeah, yeah I was actually gone. I was, I was here at my uncle's house. We left, and um, we actually didn't get to catch that game. But I oh, saw okay. clips of it. And, yeah, Booker was – he was turning – LeBron like up, man. Like they couldn't stop. They couldn't yeah, stop. Yeah, it was like it was just crazy. Tommy, do you remember that game? Did you did you did you catch it? I did. I did watch it, and I think I sent in the 
the group chat that we were in, I just said next. I think that's the only word that I said. Yeah. Because um, just watch them. What he just the way he carried himself that game. He's I I said next because he's the next one with just that attitude, that spirit, that fight. Yeah. And so they went. You guys know what I want to say, but I can't say it. So so they went into that next series. They had the Nuggets. Um, Good series from them. They swept Denver. No Jamal Murray, you know. And then Western Conference Finals, they play the Clippers. Game one, he goes back and forth with Paul George. That game was crazy. Because, you know, me being a Clipper fan, guys, like, I definitely remember this one very, very well. And Booker and PG were just trading buckets. Like, it was crazy. And he ultimately dropped 40 and led Phoenix to a win. But overall in that series, he did struggle a lot. And, you know, I feel very strongly about this being a Clipper fan. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. Guys, if we were healthy, we were in that series. But, (laughs) you know, it's whatever. Uh, They – you know, we still had a chance, so I'm not going to argue it too much. We had some mishaps. But uh, um, we we really guarded him well that series. And I think that was the first time where you got to see for him, like, okay, the playoffs, like it is a different level. But I think that that was good for him and what I'm getting into with how he played in the finals. Because everyone needs that playoff experience and those those really tough times to really excel at some point. You know, there's a rare few that just never have to go through any. Michael Jordan is the exception of, of never having what you would consider a rough playoff series. Like, everybody goes through things that they have to learn from. And so, in the finals, he averages 28 points, four assists, four boards, shoots 46% from the floor, and consider all things considered of who the Bucks have defensively. That's pretty good, okay? And he had back-to-back 40-point games Whenever they had they had blown their lead, they they started out 2-0. They they went back to the series, went back to Milwaukee. Milwaukee picked up a huge game three win. Game four, uh, game four and game five, Chris Paul really struggled. Drew Holiday was all over him, but Booker took this team on his back. He did everything he could, tough bucket after tough bucket. It was just wild. I remember thinking, holy cow, Devin Booker just dropped 40 in back-to-back games, and they couldn't win either one. And uh, it was just – for him to perform like that on that stage was just insane. And I think that that just kind of showed us, like, this guy's arrived and there's a lot to come from this dude. And, uh, uh, Tommy, we'll go to you first. Those back-to-back 40-point games, um, what were your thoughts? What was going on? I mean, you were just watching those probably amazes any of us, but just specifically from you. Just crazy thoughts going through my head. Uh, I was thinking outrageous things at the time, to be completely honest. But um, just I was excited to see what he was going to do for the rest of the playoffs because I was, at that point, all all in on the Suns. Yeah. I mean, I, I was the same, man. I mean, when I was watching him do this, I picked the Bucks to win. Last year, I – I said from the beginning, whoever won, I thought that the Bucks and the Nets were a tier above everybody else. I said that the winner of the Bucks and Nets series was going to win the finals. So I had the Bucks to win. But for Devin Booker to do that, uh, I just had to focus more on him, especially because I was like, what I'm witnessing is just incredible. 
Josiah, uh, just that final series in general, um, did you think Booker was ever capable of something like this, even last season specifically? Yes. I felt like once that bubble ran, I was like, yeah, he's he's about to come out of his, his bag for sure. And those back-to-back 40 games, like in the finals, I was just saying, I was just saying to myself, like, yes, like, he's coming and the league better watch out. But, I mean, you know, they ended up losing. But, you know, played a great team, a great defensive team. Yeah, and I, I think what was most eye-opening was you have to sit back and remind yourself that was his very first playoff run. Mm-hmm. Like, what – what we just witnessed in his very first playoff run was this. And you're only going to get – not necessarily – for him, better is more consistent. Not necessarily topping these 40-point games that he had. But you're going to get more consistent, especially the way his game translates in the playoffs. And so to see this in his first experience, I'm excited for this year. Um, so how he kind of came off of last year and went into this season – uh, he's averaging 26, 5-5, five and five, shooting 45% from the field. They have the best record in the league. I think he's the best player on the team. I've seen people say stuff about, oh, Chris Paul, Chris Paul's MVP. I don't believe so. I'm not going to argue too much if somebody says it, but I think Booker is the best player on the team. Um, you guys think he's having an MVP caliber year? Somebody jump in. I wouldn't say he's having an MVP type of year, but I mean he's doing great. Yeah. But I just don't feel like he's doing like what like, you know, like Jokic or like Embiid or or Josh doing. But he's he's leading his team though. That's yeah. what I would say. Okay. So I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna hop off that. I'm gonna say he is having an MVP caliber year, just just not this year. Just not this year right now. But he is having an MVP caliber year. Yeah, um, I believe I believe he's having it. So I think Joe, I get what you were saying. He's definitely not like my MVP right now or anything. I'm just saying like, forget the the crazy seasons that Embiid and Jokic are having. Like, I just think like in terms of generally, as the seasons go on, I think he is having an MVP caliber year in terms of just that type of play. Like, I think he's playing like a MVP caliber type player plays. I, me personally, and I think I think you would agree. I think I think everybody knows what you were trying to say. Whenever you want. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Suns also, uh, did you guys expect them to have similar results to what they had last year going into this year? Go ahead, jump in, Joe. I see you nodding your head. Yes, I did. I was low-key shocked, like, just watching ESPN and everything. No one was really talking about the Suns and, like, Everybody was just talking about the, the the Lakers and the Warriors, and you know everybody was just feeling like you know the Suns were gonna come back and like be a team to be on the top spot of the West, and like. And I was saying to myself, like, man, I feel like they're about to come back to vengeance. You know, what I'm saying they lost the finals. You know, it was Booker's first playoff. You know. Yeah. And I was yeah. just like, <laughs> everybody's sleeping on the Suns. So. That's how I feel. Tommy, did you kind of expect this going into this year, or is this kind of a shock to you that they're repeating the success? No, yeah, I I also expected it as well, because uh, um, yeah, nobody was really talking about it, but they were still basically essentially the same 
And I just think they were still top three, regard, like, going into the season. I just think they were – yeah, it was expected. Yeah, so they're 54-14 and 14 right now. They're playing right now as we speak. They're playing the Pelicans. They're 54-14. They lead the next best record in the league by seven and a half games. And, I mean, I thought that they were going to be top three this year, but I definitely didn't expect the way that they've been so dominant. So they're first in net rating, fourth in offense, second in defense. So I'm giving you guys a lot of stats here. I just think it's impressive how high they are in all these categories. They are first in field goal percentage, top 10 in three-point field goal percentage, top 10 in free throw percentage. They're tied for first in, in points off turnovers. And they are the best clutch team in the league. In, in clutch situations, they've played 33 games that have came down to what is considered a clutch situation. They are 27-6 and six in those games. And they shoot far better than any other team in the league in the clutch by about an 8% margin, which is just wild. So with all that being presented, I just want to ask you guys first. Uh, Josiah, we'll go to you first. Are they your favorite in the West to this point? Yes, most definitely. Okay. And Tommy? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I think all at a consensus here, they are my favorite in the West as well, all things considered. Denver injuries, Clipper injuries. Um, I still need to see some things from the Warriors, Grizzlies, lack of playoff experience. Don't think that there's a good enough team overall around Luka Jontich for the Mavs. Um You've got the Jazz that I think just are still another real playmaker away. Uh, just things like that. So I definitely expect the Suns to win, especially fully healthy. Uh, now I'm going to present this to you guys. Tommy, we'll go to you first. Uh, are they your favorite to win it all? They aren't my favorite to win it all just because the, the East yeah. is filled with beasts. So, okay. yeah. Well, I'm going to Suns, you know. Okay, so, yeah, I have no issue with somebody saying that they think the Suns can win it all. I definitely think they're capable. They are not my favorite at the time being. Uh, but I do think an advantage to them is I do think that they are far ahead of any other team in the West, in my opinion, to this point. So I do think that they could make it easy on themselves. Uh, so they may be coming out of five, six-game series, maybe even sweeps at some points, whereas whoever comes out of the East is going to be coming out of an absolute gauntlet. And at the same time, no matter who the Suns play, they will get home court advantage. So anytime you can get those first two games at home, pivotal game five at home, and what could end up being a game seven at home, obviously plays to your advantage. Um, so definitely have a great chance of winning it all, even though they may not be my favorite or the consensus favorite. Um, they made some sneaky moves at the deadline. Uh, Torrey Craig was great for them last year, and they were able to go get him back. And really didn't they was they was part of the Jalen Smith deal. I mean, Jalen Smith wasn't really playing for them, and they were able and they didn't pick up his team option last summer, so he was going to be gone anyway this summer. So they were able to flip him into Tory Craig. So Tory Craig, who was great for them last year, comes back, versatile wing, can do a little bit of everything in terms of guarding, and he can space a little bit. Good cutter, and Aaron Holiday. And Aaron Holiday was a nice pickup for them simply because, um, you know that Chris Paul being hurt right now and they knew that out of the, uh, the all-star break, but they didn't know it yet at the deadline, but just 
that ended up being a good move in the sense of guard depth since Chris Paul was going to be out. So he probably doesn't have a role in the playoffs, but it's just good to have another rotational guard that is legit and can play some NBA minutes in there while you're down your starting point guard. Um, I truly believe that this team is 11 to 12 guys deep. Uh, they're going to, in the playoffs, be starting, hopefully in the playoffs, Chris Paul might have to miss the first round, still be still to be determined, but that's going to be no issue. Whoever they play, they will they will be just fine in the first round, whether Chris Paul's there or not. But they'll have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, Jake Rowder, DeAndre Ayton, one of the better starting fives in the league. With campaign off the bench, who's playing playing awesome since he got into that starting role. Landry Shamit's really started to come alive for them. Um, Cam Johnson, he's really been starting to score the ball like crazy, but he's been out for a little bit. I, he might be back tonight, I'm not sure. But he'll be there. Torrey Craig's there. And JaVale and Biombo have been good backup five options. So they're there for emergency use. And then, obviously, Aaron Holiday's there for emergency use as well. Um, I guess I'm just going to ask a real simple question. Josiah, do you think that they're the deepest team in the league? Yes, I believe so. I mean, once uh, Booker and Paul is out, um, I've seen how – I was actually looking on my phone one day, and um, – I forgot what team they played, but, um, I mean, they did amazing without Booker and uh, Paul. And I mean, the, the players that they acquired down the deadline, I mean, they're doing great. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, do you think that they're the deepest team in the league? Uh, yeah, this year, yeah. Not without injuries, yeah. Yeah. Or not, yeah, yeah. So I, I was about to say the same thing. Injuries considered, yes, they are. Yeah. I am not so sure if they are. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Everyone's I like, I like, uh, I like y'all when everyone's healthy. I do think that the Clippers, I do think we are the deepest team when we're at full strength. But obviously we are not close to full strength at this point, so I would take the Suns. I think the Heat have a good argument as well, but I do think I would take the depth of the, depth of the Suns a little bit more than the Heat. But – Obviously, big playoff run coming for them. High expectations from all of us. But there's something pretty big that's going to be happening uh, with some implications probably from this playoff run going into the offseason. And these involve DeAndre Ayton. And so for those of you that don't know, DeAndre Ayton was extension eligible last summer. And basically the way that works is when you're one year away from being a restricted free agent on your rookie deal, you are able to sign an extension, but you have to do it before the season starts. Well, they couldn't come to an agreement. And the big issue was Luca and Trey were in that draft class and, Shea, and uh, SGA. The three of them are probably the consensus three best players from that draft class. And they were all three given the max. And so there was no issue yet. But then the Nuggets gave Michael Porter Jr. the five-year max. And so what's said to be believed and what was reported is that after MPJ was given that max, DeAndre Ayton started to grow a little frustrated because he felt like he was being lowballed by the Suns. And he was kind of saying, well, if he's getting the max, then I sure deserve it. And so uh, before we jump into that discussion real quick, uh, just for the future, do you guys like the fit 
of Aiton and Booker or Aiton on this team in general? Do you think, I guess the question is like, is he replaceable or do you think that like, do you think that his fit is so good that they need to prioritize keeping him? Tommy, we'll go to you first. Is he replaceable? Yeah, he, he probably is. But I think he just – what what he, what he can be from them, what they can build, is why I think they should not move on from him. And, yeah, I think he belongs there. Yeah. Josiah? Yeah, same thing Tommy's saying. I mean, he is replaceable, but, I mean, if I was the Suns, I wouldn't just move on from him. You know what I'm saying? I would, you know, keep him and Booker together and just see, you know, if you can get out of that. But they're a great combo. Yeah. So my next question branching off that is, do you guys think he's worth the max? Because he will be in restricted free agency this offseason. And uh, that's what we're about to talk about. But Ultimately, he's going to be probably offered a contract by somebody to which the Suns could match or not. Do you think he is worth the max? And the max for him at this point is is over $30 million a year. Joe, we'll go to you first. Do you think he is worth that max contract? Yes, I believe Aiden's, uh, he's a max contract player. I think he is. Definitely. TK? The, do I think he's a max player? No. Do I think he's going to get a max? Yeah. Do, do I think the Suns need to give him a max? Yeah, because he's just a fan favorite. Well, needs it. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think that he is a max player in terms of giving you what 30 plus million is worth. Um, but I do think that they've set themselves up well to where they do have Chris Paul locked in. They do have Devin Booker locked in. They do have Mikel Bridges locked in. And I think Cam Johnson, in my opinion, has probably been hidden enough to where they could probably still afford him because they will have rights on him. So I do think that if he's offered a max, um, it probably is worth matching. Um, I don't think he's a max player. Again, I'll reiterate that. But I think he's worth matching because of what you have right now, and it's pretty special. Uh, So then my next question, Josiah, you again – I'll present this first. These teams all have cap space going into this offseason. The Pistons, the Pacers, the Grizzlies, Thunder, Magic, Blazers, and Spurs. Do you think that he will be offered the max by any of those teams? Um... I want it. I don't know why, but the Pacers are in my head for some reason. Uh, I have no question. Uh, who's that player? The they they just got they just traded. Jalen Smith. Oh wait, Sacramento Tyrese Halliburton. Yes, great player. Um, I feel like if him and A would be a great you know combo, just like Kim and Booker. But I mean, I really, I, to be honest. I really don't see any of these teams I'm thinking, but I mean, the Pacers, I mean, I feel like that would be a good, you know. Yeah, so I I would not be shocked at all, and I would actually expect at least one of these teams specifically, the Pistons, the Thunder, or the Pacers, to throw in a max. 
And for me, it's just that all three of these teams have built themselves pretty well to this point. So the Pistons are, have Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey. They're going to have a high pick this year. The Thunder obviously have the core of SGA, Giddy, Dort, other pieces. I won't get into it too much, but that I, that I really like. Pacers have their core of Halliburton, Duarte, just got Jalen Smith. They have some other pieces that I like. But all three of them have a lot of cap space to work with too. And so I think when you have cap space and you can bring this guy on and still have rights of a lot of different players, I do think that one of those teams will probably offer him a max, if not a few. So I don't think the others are very real possibilities considering what they have already. But I do think one of those three is probably bound to give him a max. And so kind of we've kind of discussed it a little bit, but if he was offered the max, Tommy, do you think the Suns match? Or do you think that they would be more interested in a sign-in trade? I think they match it. I think they match it. Well, sign? Oh, go finish. Go ahead, Tommy. My bad. I didn't know you were. I was like, I, I, I wanted to bounce back a little bit. And I think uh, the teams with cap space thing, I think uh, it's all barring on what happens uh, this playoff. So, Say that uh, I would team I want to look at is the Grizzlies. They lose. Um, they want to add a guy with playoff experience, with finals experience. I think they could go and possibly look at DeAndre Aiden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that's a fair point. Um, playoffs obviously play a huge factor into every season and what goes on, um, even for the Suns, in the sense that after this playoffs, they may say, oh, yeah, he's definitely worth a match. But uh, – if he's offered the max, whether the Suns match, I think it's very situational. Um, in my opinion, with the three teams that I think have a legit possibility of throwing him a max, I think if he's offered the max by the Pistons or the Thunder, I believe that they match. But in my case, if he was offered a max by the Pacers, for instance, I do think that they would maybe be interested in the idea of a sign-and-trade with a guy like Miles Turner just because it would give them more flexibility with, with Cam Johnson in the future and Jay Crowder once his deal's up. And this is, this is assuming we get the Aiton that we're getting right now. I'm not saying he's, like, he's been a really good player, but assuming he doesn't have this, like, ascension in the playoffs. But, you know, if they could have a Miles Turner that spaces the floor and could really anchor the defense, uh, I do ultimately think – that they would be okay with something like that opposed to throwing him 30 million a year. That's just my thoughts personally. Uh, how do you guys feel on that? Joe, do you think that there's, do you think that there's situations where they would be more open to a sign and trade opposed to just matching? Yes. Yeah, so I actually like the idea that you said about the Miles Turner. Uh, I think that'd be great. You know, just basically what you were saying. I mean, also yeah. the, Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, never mind. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. What I was just going to say is, guys, like, obviously, it's all speculation. Like, it's just a fun topic conversation. It's something that's a real possibility. So, when, so whenever I say the thing about Miles Turner, I'm not saying that, that the Pacers are shopping him. I'm not saying that the Suns wouldn't match if the Pacers – I'm just saying what I think is a real possibility if it was to happen. Tommy, do you think there are situations where they would maybe look for sign-in trades, or do you think that they ultimately match uh, with anything? Um, so about 
two months ago, three months ago, I did think there was a possibility with a sign and trade situation when with the Montes Sabonis when he was uh, with yeah, I thought there was okay, yeah. So I definitely like Tommy earlier in the year thought that there was a higher chance of a sign and trade possibility opposed to like now. I think like now especially beginning of the season when they didn't come to extension there's obviously going to be this somewhat, even if it's just slight overreaction, there's going to be somewhat of it. And so immediately people started thinking about like, oh, like could he be signed and traded this next offseason? Could he be traded before the season starts? Like obviously that was a way big of a stretch. But, you know, like I think as the season went on, you just realize he still fits the team really well. Uh, he's still a solid defensive anchor. We'll see come playoff time. He was good for them. The The Bucks are as good as it gets in terms of teams, so I know that this is a stretch, but the Bucks did kind of pull him out on the perimeter and make him work, and that was something he really struggled with. So I guess that could play a huge factor into it this offseason. But I do think ultimately, like we've said, it is more likely that whatever he's offered, they probably just match it because there's no sense for the most part in – and kind of splitting up this court they put together and how successful they've been together. But that's going to be a wrap for all things Suns and Devin Booker. Uh, guys, if you've listened to this whole thing, again, like we always say, we really do appreciate you for listening. Um, three episodes in, I think we're excited before the direction this podcast is going. Uh, we've got another episode for you guys coming next week. Josiah, really glad you could make it on, man. We appreciate your time, appreciate your thoughts and your insight. Uh, you know, I know I'll be staying in touch with you, but just really glad you could come on, man. We really do appreciate it. But uh, with that being said, this is the end of episode three of the Coast to Coast podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.